0: everybody, welcome to episode 29 of The Vast Podcast. I'm Michael, and my co-host Jake and I created this podcast to firstly help us, and then hopefully help you think more deeply about your faith. So more than just being a place of inspiration, we want to offer conversations that offer an integrated Christian worldview to help you apply that worldview to how you approach life, vocation, and culture. This week, we talk with our friend Josh Kelsey, who is the founder and senior pastor of C3NYC, which also has locations in Paris, Berlin, and just announced a location in Philadelphia. In this episode, we talk with Josh about some mental health challenges he experienced while leading a church during COVID in one of the hardest hit cities in the world, what he learned in the process, and how Christians and leaders can stay healthy while leading people during turbulent times. This is honestly such a helpful conversation. And I know the topic of mental health is something so many of you have reached out and told us you are interested in hearing us talk more about. And this conversation with Josh is full of wisdom in this area. So we're gonna get right into this conversation with Josh in just a second. But before we do that, I just wanna remind you to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to this today, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube. It goes such a long way in helping us spread the word. All right, well, that is enough from me. Let's jump into this episode about mental and emotional health with Josh Kelsey. Well, welcome to The Vast Podcast, Hey. We're here with our friend, the one and only Josh Kelsey, pastor of C3NYC, also in Paris, also in Berlin. Where else? Anywhere else?
1: Oh, there might be an announcement soon, but we'll okay. see. Right. We <laughs> Stay tuned.
0: There you go. It's good to have you. It's with great
1: us. to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. I just us, love man. hanging out with both of you. I've know, known both of you guys for quite a while now, so I this is fun. So. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's a pleasure to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh, you have been, uh, pioneering church in New York city for the last seven years, eight years, nine, nine years, just, uh, end of February is nine years, nine years in New York city, moved there with your wife and your two small children, or was it just one child at the time? Just Brooks. So my eldest son, his name is Brooks and he was six
1: months old and he's now nine. So that's, uh, wow. and then yeah. we have another son, Zeph, who's six.
2: Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, but we nine moved years nine years ago.
1: Nine L. years ago, from Sydney, Australia, and arrived on a very cold, snowy night. And my sister lived in Williamsburg, so we arrived at her door and lived with her for like the first two weeks in her apartment in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn. Which, uh, if you've been in New York City, it's like straight across the East River there from Manhattan, mm-hmm. one stop on the L train, mm-hmm. and it was pretty awesome because I had New York pizza uh, ready and hot. And, uh, that was kind of our welcome to New York moment. And my brother-in-law, Glenn, who's a photographer, he's turned to me and he's like, when's the church starting? I was like this Wednesday. And we
2: started as a dinner party that Wednesday and never stopped. Now, now we're here. So you, did you have the dinner party, uh, model in mind, like before you even arrived in, in America? I did. I did because we had about 30 people
1: that were trying to come with us from Australia and, just, you know, they were praying and believing and working to get their visas and get jobs, but it was quite difficult. So no one came, it was just us. So we (laughs) had to rethink our plan of like preview services and like, you know, all the things that people do and that model. And I was like, okay, how do I start a church in probably one of the hardest cities in America in terms of, you know, just the the level of finance you need and, Mm -hmm. you know, just even uh, making people aware of you in such a huge place. Mm -hmm. I was like, the, my idea of team and services was just not going to work. It would have been just a horrible experience. So mm. yeah, Georgie and I just started my, my wife Georgie started praying and we we're like, okay, let's rethink this and then the idea and the word, dinner party just really leapt in our spirit It was the days when like kinfolk magazine i don't know if you mm-hmm. remember that magazine but that was kind of really coming out and the whole vibe of like dinner parties in the world were kind of rebirthing And i was like why don't we like jesus started with a dinner party like that's the acts two church started with a dinner party like why don't we call it something that i don't have to explain what it means when i invite someone in new york city and so we're like let's just call it dinner parties and that was where we started. And I thought it was just an idea, you know, to uh, get us to services, and then quickly we realized, no, this is how we're going to reach a city. Right. And so now we say a, a dinner party on every block, and we have like over eighty dinner parties now. And the model's working in Paris and Berlin, and really is like the the fabric of our church. And then all the dinner parties get together on Sunday,
2: and that's our vibe. Yeah, and even hasn't inspired several churches outside of c3 as well to adopt something similar
1: yeah yeah it's we're really um thankful we've trained now through our videos uh 700 churches in how we do dinner parties so they've actually signed up and watched our videos so yeah i don't i mean i don't know all of them personally of course but a lot of churches have thanked us because they either use the words or use how we do there's some unique things that we do with dinner parties that really i think help people um, and rediscovering how to bring new life to small groups and Mm -hmm. my experience in the past with small groups there was some good experiences but then a lot of just like this is the most naff boring you know like crackers Mm -hmm. on a table you walk in someone's got the Mm -hmm. tv on and this is no (laughs) pre-thought and then someone opens up a bible and just talks for an hour and you're just sitting there going I, I, I don't want to live anymore.
2: This is what um, it means to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can do and you're like, the,
1: Christ <laughs> and the Lord with all your, acting, not on your own. Yeah. And you're like, uh, yeah, see you next week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, we got to return to the party, you know. So we always say 50% of the word dinner party is party. So it is a party. Like we want people to have just a really fun experience around people that are full of faith, hope, and love. And it, it works.
2: Yeah. Great. Yeah. So good, man. So we want to have a conversation with you, uh, I think about your, um, church planting journey and you're f- a super skilled leader. Um, and someone that I know Mike and I both have gleaned a lot from over the years, but I think also having a conversation around, um, mental health as well. Cause I think you have some stuff to shed on that over the last few years. That's been uh, part
1: super of your journey. Super skilled, but not very healthy in the, in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. that's 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 my that's on my business card (laughs) it's on my business card
2: (laughs) well i imagine that's probably a combination that a lot of people in leadership um are familiar with uh at, at different ventures so um maybe share a little bit more about your journey leading up to covid and then talk us through uh the last couple of years
1: yeah for sure there's a lot of just momentum in our church kind of you know 7 uh, 2017 2018 2019 heading into 2020 so i was running at like a really high pace uh, you know, our church went from one little dinner party in our apartment to now five locations across all the boroughs. You know, thousands of people, bigger budgets, pressures. You know, hundreds of people on uh, team and and leaders and discipleship, and so it's you know, you, we were pinching ourselves like, wow, this little dinner party turned into this, and you're just living your dream, and you just feel so grateful to God, and and it's all good. Obviously, not without its challenges, and super difficult times even before COVID. But I was, I know now um what psychologists call I was outside my window. Mm-hmm. So I was basically running on adrenaline in well, you know, everyone knows this terminology, fight or flight. So it was just mm-hmm. so much pressure, so much demand, everyday things pulling on me. And so I didn't realize it, but my nervous system was just you know on a volume 11 you know just way outside what's a healthy um kind of zone so that's where i'm already at heading into COVID. then COVID hits and i just i just kind of stepped into um o- even more overdrive to keep alive the thing that we've been building for nine years and didn't really take a step back and go is this sustainable mm-hmm. like like what what, what's the end, you know, the end result of this kind of level of intensity? And I think internally and subconsciously, I was aware, and I was trying to look after myself and I was talking to people. It wasn't like I was, you know, not aware fully. I just don't think I was aware of of some of the science behind it and just some of the things that can happen if you stay in that zone um, for too long. And I think also being, you know, in my, I, I moved to New York just, just, uh, I think I was like 31. So I just had a lot of energy, but then I was getting close to turning 40 and, you know, there's just different seasons of life and really adjusting to that and understanding, okay, where's my sweet zone? Where's my sweet spot? Um, and then as well with, with what happened to New York city and obviously all major cities around the world, but New York was quite unique in that, it was something like the U.S. Post said 40% of New York City residents' ad- addresses changed in 2020, mm-hmm. wow. meaning they, they changed from a New York address to somewhere else in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the closest equivalent was San Francisco, which was like, uh, I don't know, 6 to 9%. So that's, that's wow. huge, like wow. in terms of the level of movement. And New York's a super transient city, like LA, like people are just coming and going constantly already before COVID. So you're kind of used to that, but this was like a mass exodus that had nothing to do necessarily with our leadership or the church. It was just outside of our control. But I think I addressed it as if I, I knew it wasn't my fault, but it 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 felt like st- it still was personal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I should be doing something more to save, save what we've built. And so that was the first thing was just in in hyperdrive. And so then, um, the summer of twenty twenty hit, and I, I just started seeing signs in my thinking and just how I was approaching things. Where I was just like, I'm definitely getting burnt out. Like this is I've never experienced burnout in my life, but if if this is, um, you know, if this is burnout, then um, I need to I need to figure this out because this doesn't feel those, right.
2: What were some of those symptoms?
1: Um, just I I felt depressed. I felt uh, like hard to get up in the morning. I felt exhausted. I felt I felt like a disdain towards my own church. I felt resentment towards people. Um, And I felt kind of basically like codependent on the church. Mm -hmm. And like, I was basically realized I was getting all my, not all of it, but a lot of my emotional energy from the church. And now that that wasn't there, I was kind of left in this um, feeling of despair. Like, oh, everything I've done for nine years is, you know, thinking dark thoughts, like this is worth nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. even though I knew that wasn't true theologically and even logically. So I had like multiple conversations like, no, Josh, this is, this is just part of the journey, like, Hey, the seeds you've sown in people's lives, they remain their, their Holy spirit, gospel things in people's hearts that no one can Mm -hmm. take away. Like it mattered what you built. I had that conversation, but it, it, that voice was getting
2: lower and lower
1: and the other voices were rising.
2: Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's interesting to me that you. It sounds like you were saying that you were operating outside your window even before 2020. Correct, definitely, yeah. and I didn't didn't realize it. Right, because it's funny to me because I've always known you as like, and I I don't mean this in a disparaging way at all, but a high intensity person. Um, and I can actually relate. What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> 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 but I'm a pretty high intensity person as well, but when I've been around you, I'm like, man, this guy's even more intense than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> intense and, in a different way. Yeah, <laughs>
2: maybe.
0: Uh, and I'm just the comedic relief in between the two intense guys. So,
2: uh, <laughs> I love it. So, but can you kind of just parse that out a little bit? Because some of that has been good. Because it's, it's led to something really fruitful in mm-hmm. some very tough ground. Mm -hmm. So how do you now look back at that season go like, what if that was good and healthy and what if that was operating outside my window? And then can you explain the outside your window thing a little bit more so people know? Yeah. 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 I'd love to. Yeah. So yeah, to
1: answer the first part, I think obviously your strength is your weakness. You know, it, it can really backfire if it's not managed. And part of my strength is my drivenness. You know, I think God has wired me in a certain way to tackle like i like the idea of impossible things like Mm -hmm. like i like the idea of tough cities that people maybe shy away from or tough situations or like the idea of not having a venue this, you know, it, different weekends in church, we'd find out like on a Wednesday, there's no place to meet this Sunday. That wouldn't freak me out. I like the challenge. Like I want to see God move or, mm-hmm. and I'd start to hustle. And, and that's why I love New York City. Like that, it kind of works with my personality. So God mm-hmm. uses that and fits people into places. But if that's not managed well, it can become that you're leading from the flesh, not the spirit. So it, even though that's, there's a, 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 a gifting, some would say, maybe an anointing around that, or a grace or a favor on that part of my leadership or personality. Mm-hmm. You can you can kind of outrun uh, the favor or the grace of God and start really operating in your own striving. And mm-hmm. so, I think that's from a spiritual sense, that's what began to happen. And it, it's an interesting thought because God graces you to do something, and then the success. Uh, happens the fruitfulness let's say and if you're not careful in how you manage that fruitfulness then you can actually start to lead by the flesh which was not the way that you got there but you end up managing something that was birthed by the spirit and you manage it by the flesh so i think there's a that's what i i've talked to other leaders about or i've seen and then i realized no that's where i'm at i'm trying to in my own strength, manage something that I know for a fact that it was birthed by the Spirit. What happened here was impossible. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just my hustle. It wasn't just my drivenness. Like, this is a a work of God. Mm -hmm. And he used that drivenness, but... Because I was trying to maintain all these pieces, I obviously stepped into that. And that, I think that happens every day on a micro scale. But I think at a macro level for me, mm-hmm. I realized I'm more in the that kind of striving realm to try and manage now the fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, so come back to 2020. And then I didn't really make any clear decisions there of like how I get back to a place of health i just knew i needed that i took some breaks and vacation time but that didn't really help um and then fast forward to 2021 and realized no i i need to do some deeper soul work and really figure out okay if i'm gonna stay in ministry and stay in leadership at any level i need to get healthy and this is this is not a COVID issue this is a josh issue like this isn't a circumstance issue the, there's something inside me that I need to figure out what's going on, and and obviously my capacity worked up into a point, but now I'm I'm outside of that realm, and I need to rethink where I need to grow and get healthy, and and re, you know reapproach my leadership if I want to see not only things maintained but really move forward in a healthy way, including marriage, kids, family my staff, my team, and the church. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to go on sabbatical. And so I got a sabbatical coach. I got um, a therapist. I got. Um, so I booked in some retreats. And on one of those retreats with a therapist, uh, with Georgie and I, discovered and never really heard about it. I mean, I've heard it like thrown around but didn't really understand it, this word called the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. And it's basically description of all the involuntary things that happen in your body chemically through your nervous system and then also the sympathetic nervous system and so the if your parasympathetic nervous system if you were to kind of look at it as like a a window each person has a kind of happy zone like a, a safe zone where they're operating within that and your body's you know producing the right levels of chemicals and dopamines oxytocin uh, you know uh, all uh, serotonin all these things you're you're eating healthy you're exercising and and so you're you're within that window but what happens is that you know you face danger or fearful moments and it's normal and natural for your nervous system to go into fight or flight to protect itself and so god wired us that way um you can see it in nature obviously you know prey running from a Uh, a a predator their systems in the sympathetic of fight or flight to survive Mm. and so it's the same with leadership when pressures hit us it's okay that we have these survival kind of responses to it's natural and and it's normal the problem is you're not meant to stay there Mm -hmm. and so they they call it getting stuck you can get stuck in fight or flight and if you if you're there too long then you're your nervous system isn't regulating, you're outside your window and then you can drop down below your window. So you're above your window and then you drop down and that's called dorsal, which is your numb kind of freeze response. And so we also do that. Like if we face uh, high pressure and we feel like it's we're outside of our natural response or our window. Then you know, some people might just crawl under the covers and and just watch Netflix, Netflix mm-hmm. you know, nonstop. That's like a dorsal kind of response. Like I, I don't want to deal with the world. I don't want to deal with that debt or that bill mm-hmm. or that marriage issue. I'll just close the doors, turn it into a cave. Mm-hmm and just go into dorsal Mm -hmm. and then that's where um you know heavier depression can start if we get stuck in that so either zone we're not meant to get stuck in Mm -hmm. it's normal to have experiences as a human being in those zones but not to get stuck there and because i was so far up and outside in that fight or flight for so long i think i went really steeply down into dorsal and then kind of got stuck for a season Mm -hmm. and faced things like depression that I'd never really faced like I've faced you know normal heaviness um, like any human being does on bad days but this was something different and so that's when I I needed to understand and so um, they call it regulating it which is learning when you're outside of your window to figure out what regulates you quicker so you don't get stuck and get back into inside your window which is again that normal. Mm-hmm. nervous system, um, response your you kind of happy zone. And so it's a really good exercise, um, to go through as a leader, to really start to identify what causes you to be outside your window. But I think the other thing is different leaders respond in different ways. Like some guys are addicted, I think, to being outside their window. Cause it gives them energy for the vision. Mm-hmm. And I think I definitely was in that category for some time. So kind of you're like your pre
2: COVID that was, yeah, yeah, the window. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that's where a lot of leaders um, during COVID came unstuck, you know, whether it's morally or ethically or for other reasons, Mm -hmm. is that many of them were just outside their window for so long before COVID. And then you're basically in one moment taking away what energizes them or gets them out of bed. Even if it is a kingdom thing, they're doing it in an unhealthy way. And so they're looking now to keep that adrenaline going and then they can end up going into places they shouldn't be going or, you know, getting connected to substances or other um, decisions. So I think that's why it's really important that we're aware of this as leaders, because we're all, we may judge other leaders, but we're all susceptible to making what we would look at when we're inside of our window and looking at someone else. Oh, that's irrational. Like I can't believe they did that. What's going on. But when they're outside their window for too long, right. they, They, they lose all sense of logic. Yeah. Uh, they lose all sense of a moral compass or even principles that they've lived by wow. because yeah. it's their nervous system kicking into gear. And it's it's mm-hmm. very kind of almost instinctual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you have the idea of the flesh really mm-hmm. leading people at the, at the highest level.
2: Mm-hmm. What role has the Holy Spirit and your faith played in your journey back to health and normalcy?
1: Yeah, I think besides like the cliche answers I can give, I think you realize that the Holy Spirit works in just really cool ways through relationships and mm. um, like like me, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that led me to that particular therapist who um, ended up being uh, an amazing Christian man and um, and him explaining how to regulate and you know explaining some of his story like he. You know, he lost, his, his son um, committed suicide and, and just his journey of um, dealing with such trauma and just, you know, the worst thing you could ever go through as a parent. And yet by the Holy Spirit learning that when you, when you talk about regulating and getting back into a healthy place of your nervous system, which God created, these tools are there for us um from god to actually help us stay healthy and so i think the holy spirit revealed to me that it's not mental health and staying healthy as a leader is not just an issue of like another prayer meeting Mm -hmm. um it's it's all of it it's like a a holistic approach to leadership versus like well if i just quote enough scripture then somehow that's going to regulate me back into well that I want as much scripture in my life as I possibly can get, but there, you know, a a conversation with a therapist could be what the Holy Spirit's leading you to to get healthy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So Mm -hmm. the versus, okay, well, well, if I just do what we call quote unquote spiritual things and somehow I'll be spiritually healthy when really God created all these avenues for us to be healthy. And I think the, I think the modern contemporary church is doing a better job now to bring this out into the open so that people are healthy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, tr- I like my issues and what I face were nothing compared to a lot of people. It was just what I walked through, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But, and I'm, I'm no expert on mental health by any means, not even trying to make it like, this is my lane now. It's just my story. Like I've learned sure. a few things and it's mm-hmm. helped me. But I'd say that the Holy Spirit has really helped me to realize that pride comes in different forms and and pride could be not picking up the phone and saying you know calling a friend or calling someone to recommend hey i need to talk to someone that's an expert in mm-hmm. in your nervous system like uh, if you're seeing signs of unhealth the holy spirit's probably knocking on your door going hey
2: deal with this now mm-hmm. it's not going to go away mm-hmm. yeah to me it comes down to a Uh, I guess, a good theology of God's providence, right? Yeah. He's he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. That's right. What gifts has he supplied Mm -hmm. for helping you overcome whatever it is that you're facing? Um, Exactly. To me, you know, part of my own journey with this kind of stuff, which doesn't sound like it's been as severe as yours, but I think what has helped me has been um, a genuine belief in, in the fact that god wants to talk to me and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of times we sell ourselves short we being kind of just you know the collective body of christ in uh downplaying how much god actually has to say to us and so the outcome of that is that we just don't simply give god much room Um, and if we give god lots of room my experience is that god talks to us over the course of hours not minutes. And so if you're only giving him minutes, you're probably not hearing as much as he's saying. And so if you give God it's a lot true. of time and space, yeah. then God will speak to you. And I found, found for me, my own journey back into security, that, that safe place in the window where like, I know that I'm operating in a realm that I should be operating and I'm not outside my window, has yes. come from doing the things that I feel quite certain God wants me to do. And not yes. doing the things that Instagram wants me to do or that comparison sure. wants me to do. And so, you know, I don't want to trivialize the idea that, you know, like you were saying, you do, it's not just that you need more spiritual time, more prayer, <clears throat> uh, but also allowing God a lot of space in your life, I think, can help bring us out of some of those things.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's... and. And I was doing all of that, you know. I was spending hours. Yeah, I've always just known you as that person.
2: I yeah, and you that, that, during I, COVID, and you're like, I'm just spending a lot of time praying. And I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. How much? And you just and that really kept me all yeah. day. <laughs> yeah,
1: literally. I mean, I, I'm. I always joke with my staff. I listen to this guy uh, on Spotify, William Augusto, and yes. his like his, his three his, hours, his, hours of know, soaking yeah. in the presence. Yeah, and I would Shout just put on that and go. I, I I'm only going to do one track today. It's like four (laughs) hours later. (laughs) But, but yeah, that was, that was my lifeline. Cause I didn't, at that point I didn't know what else to do, you know, and I knew there were other things I needed to change in the patterns of my thinking and the way I was approaching things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, for me, it's like David, uh, in the cave. It's like, he's just. He's afraid of Saul. He's like trying to figure out his next steps, but all he had was the presence of God, mm-hmm. you know. And and there are other solutions that would come, and and, and Samuel the prophets that, that's going to help him. And there's other people that come into his world, but ultimately, yeah. I mean, the whole story of that situation for me, I know it wasn't about the therapist or anyone else. It's about it's about the presence of God. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, him sustaining me.
0: So uh, one thing that I thought you said was interesting. So you did a sabbatical. You took a couple of some sort of extended time off. Um, Yes. So I've have dealt with, walked through anxiety in different forms, sometimes really, really severe, sometimes just this constant state uh, ever since I was really like probably 12 or 13. One of the things that I know oftentimes like therapists will talk about in someone who is like outside of that window, right? So who is, who is, their, their nervous system is so turned on into this fight or flight mode. It's actually impossible to make any logical progress without completely removing yourself from the thing that essentially has gotten you stuck to that place in that place in the beginning. So how important would you say just the moment of going, okay, I have to remove myself from this. Um, what role do you think that played in helping you really like clear your head, getting you in a place where you could actually realize like, no, this isn't a COVID problem. This is a Josh problem. And then what advice yes. would you give to someone who may be like, man, I don't know that I may be stuck in this, but I don't know that I'm able to just like wake up one morning and go, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a sabbatical. <laughs> or maybe the answer is like, if that's where you find yourself at by any means necessary, you have to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like what would your, yeah. what would your advice be there?
2: Great question.
1: Yeah. Yes. So yeah, big, I mean, most, if you've looked into to sabbatical, you'd realize this, but I think a lot of people might just think it's like an extended holiday, which it's not, it's actually work, um, which is interesting. Um, cause obviously it's Sabbath, so you're resting, but it's like, it's not just this, like I'm laying on the beach and just chilling out. It's, out. you're basically recognizing, uh, and identifying your patterns and rhythms. So it's a it's a time to reset all the rhythms of your life and uh, kind of really submit them before the Lord and recognize like thought patterns, time patterns, you know, rhythms in the word, uh, rhythms around your leadership, rhythms around meetings, rhythms with the family, rhythms in your marriage, um, rhythms around recreation, um, rhythms around study, like there's all these rhythms in life that have to be in sync and and make your life work. And when those are out of sync, or something's getting all the focus, then obviously uh, it's it, you know you can kind of deal with an offbeat for a while, but eventually everything's going to start to start to get um, out of time and really sound like a mess. If you were to turn your life rhythms into uh, a soundtrack, what would it sound like? And I think that's, I started to realize this is like, there's no melodies, no harmony. It's just like, if this was a song, my life is sounding like a, just a piece of chaos, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But Sabbath, sabbatical is that. Now that's what Sabbath is every week, which is also a big thing, which is a time to reset and relook at your week. Yes, to rest, but also kind of reflect on, okay, where did I miss it? you know, where was my rhythm out with the Lord this week? Where was my rhythm out in my relationships? And, um, and just let the Lord kind of reveal that. And like you're saying, Jake, have that, that space. So yeah. And I, what I would say is, um, you, you can't afford not to, you know, if you want to stay healthy in any level, and if you have some level of pressure in leadership or ministry, even if doesn't matter the size of your church, it's like, if you have a hundred people or a hundred thousand, all of us need to take some level of sabbatical. I think the recommended times like at least once every seven years, at least you know, I know some guys in New York City because of the intensity of just this city. it forces you almost every day outside your window because of like just the subway or people like cutting you off and honking at you or you know giving you know it's just so much energy in this city so they take a sabbatical every summer, um, you know, for a month, you know, so you got to figure out what works for you and your family and your church. But I think a lot of guys don't take it because they're, they're afraid of the church, you know, losing momentum or, uh, they're afraid that, you know, their team isn't ready or whatever. But I think if you set it up, well, um, it's probably the best thing for your team. And I've found that a lot of things that I used to do, I don't need to do anymore because they've all stepped into that mm-hmm. um, and really preparing them. And that's where I needed to be. Where I am now is where I needed to be before COVID. But I was just hanging on to the steering wheel of certain areas in the church when it should have been someone else mm. uh, leading that. But this time really re- you know, forced me. So there's a lot in that. But I think, yeah, to uh, people need to even if it's a week just to go, I'm going to, I'm going to reset some rhythms. I need to talk to some people. I need to sit down and really start somewhere and just let go of some stuff so you can get healthy.
2: Mm-hmm. That's good. Shifting gears a bit, Josh, what do you see um, now looking at this moment? Now we're kind of like post COVID. Mm-hmm. It feels like I think New York city and LA both just this week announced like the dropping of. Restrictions for, and yeah. 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 Um, You know, not that that's the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still seeing people in my neighborhood jog with
1: masks on. So, you know. Oh, Oh, man, please. That puts me outside my window. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: But there, you know, we're not, that doesn't mean that we're transitioning into problem free living and problem free leadership. What yes are some of the things that you anticipate are going to be the challenges that leaders are going to face that are going to take them outside their window
1: yeah i think there's like a, a hyper drive to rebuild right now we have got to be really mm-hmm. careful of mm-hmm. so um i'm looking for like sustainable rebuild uh, like picking a pace that no matter how long it takes to get back to not back to where we were but Um, just a a rhythm in the church life that is uh, healthy to see sustainable, healthy multiplication and discipleship in the life of our city and being careful not to set new rhythms because you're trying to get back what you think you've lost or get people back into the pews, so to speak. So I think that's really important because also, you know, dealing with um the situation in eastern europe with ukraine and russia and where that's going to lead and even stuff that's happening with between china and taiwan and then uh the connection between china and russia you know if you've studied war cycles we are basically right on time for another Mm -hmm. world war which is a scary Mm -hmm. thought Mm -hmm. um in terms of like the 53 year Mm -hmm. cycle that Mm -hmm. you can see um in the last you know 200 years probably it's more like 600 years um it's interesting with with the war thing it's like this century the last century um we saw the highest heights of war and the lowest lows in terms of peace so like the mm. best peace and the worst war like mm-hmm. the extremes and that kind of is telling to me in terms of the church just being aware that the world's highs and lows are also getting higher Extreme extreme Mm -hmm. you know and so left and the right is getting further left and further right mm -hmm, exactly and that was the other part of the journey with this whole parasympathetic nervous system outside your window thing is that i realize i'm leading people that are outside their window and i'm outside my window and we're all (laughs) outside our window window. (laughs) literally (laughs) (laughs) exactly and it's like everyone's just losing their you know stuff and it's Mm. like everyone's you know on adrenaline and it's kind of crazy, you know, yet we're meant to be this place of refuge and peace and health and life. And so I think just because we're turning the corner, we shouldn't be insensitive to now the fears and pressures mm-hmm. that the threat of war our economic crisis, inflation being at 7.5% yeah. markets mm-hmm. really on edge. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I think there's, as there's leaders, like, yeah. I think
0: it's like three super cycles. Combining all in the 2020s, right? The financial Mm -hmm. super cycle, the role of the citizens and the federal government, and then war. It's like, it's basically coming at every single Mm -hmm. angle, and COVID is really kind of the beginning of it, at least is what a lot of of historians and Mm -hmm. geopolitical you know
2: what's that book the obviously there's rings of fire and then there was rings of fire a there was a book called the, uh, the storm
0: before the calm mm-hmm. which was which mm-hmm. was really good which essentially so yeah does talk about that mm-hmm. that those super yep. cycles that are all converging over the next basically 8 years now that are not yes. setting us up for anything other than a lot of volatility mm-hmm. um, yeah yes. it's, a,
2: it's a time when leadership is so necessary and a time Correct. when mental health is so fragile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those two things are converging as well. <laughs> so can I ask, I want to
0: ask both of you guys mm-hmm. a question in that. And I know that we're running out of time, but I think it's important because I think here what both of you guys are saying. So you're both senior pastors in, in urban cities. So, um, the complexities are seemingly more complex, right? We can't ignore that. We can't pretend like yes. that's not, that's not true because it is right. Um, yes. So you're both leading in these moments where you're now being asked to be a pastor. You're being asked to be a uh, a scientist. You're being asked to be a political expert. You're being asked to be like, like uh, talk about outside your window. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, how do you guys navigate when you're thinking about, okay, I got to leave my congregation through these times Mm. while my congregation is then looking at me, wanting me to be um, an expert on everything. Mm. They want me to speak to be an expert in everything happening in the world, speak mm-hmm. to everything happening in the world. Like, I guess my question is like, how the heck do you stay in your window mm-hmm. and lead effectively, mm. um, you know? it's a great in question.
2: Know. Yeah. Josh, I'll let you go first because the, <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is just what I'm always tempted to do, which is the, the bad thing, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's I think, um,
1: yeah, I really think that the last two years helped me to understand more who I am, and who I'm not called to be. And I feel really comfortable in my own skin. And I feel like way less demand to speak to everything, Mm -hmm. um, or have an answer for everything or feel like I have to address everything. And I think that's one of the traps the church is falling into is that Mm somehow by speaking to every issue that comes up every day that's going to alleviate people's anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, that really it's it's about this beautiful awe and mystery and reverence and focusing on the presence of God and really working within the lane and the gifting and the grace that's on my particular life, you know. Jake has a grace, you have a grace, every leader that's listening right now there's something on your life that really, you know, helps people into that closeness and drawing near to God. And that will then lead them into places that I can't lead them to, but I can definitely offer them that. And so, yeah, there's going to be, you know, certain things that I may be more interested in or more of, you know, quote unquote, an expert in as a leader. And Jake will have more knowledge on another subject, but to kind of, live in this world where you have to be an expert in every field in order to be a senior pastor Mm -hmm. that's gonna that's gonna cause exhaustion faster than anything and also just put you in a place where you probably will create a lot of duplicity and hypocrisy in your life where you're pretending to have answers Mm -hmm. to things Mm -hmm. and because you want to save face you want to look like the guy or the girl in front of your congregation because that's gonna help you to build a successful church and in fact it's quite the opposite it's the vulnerability it's the weakness it's not having the answer yet having a trust in god that goes so deep that will give hope to people because they're going to face things every day that they're not going to have an answer to and may never have an answer to like some you know you know this morning i wake up and i find out someone's you know grandma passed away and then this person they're dealing with maybe the loss of a child it's like what how am i going to have an answer to that besides just being present being vulnerable with them Mm -hmm. you know and i think just being that shepherd that pastoral Mm -hmm. presence with people is what's going to help us through these super cycles and Mm -hmm. the next wave of whatever hits us so i don't know if that answers the question but that's kind of where i'm at at the moment is more just being hopefully somewhat just a a peaceful presence, Mm -hmm. even though I may not have the answer. Yeah,
2: that's really good. I mean, that kind of makes me feel a bit better because the first thing that jumped into my mind was like, "Ah, I'm just not going to address everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think it's great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I, I love what you said about amidst all of the pressure to be 10 different things as, and obviously right now we're speaking directly to pastors to be 10 different things. But even whatever you do, Whatever your life consists of, whatever God has graced you for, rather than trying to be the, the thing that the peanut gallery on social media wants you to be, just be yeah. the thing that you are. And for us, that's shepherds. That's being a pastor. Um, and the other dynamic uh, to that for each individual is how has God graced you? What are the gifts that God has given to you? And uh, do your best not to operate outside of those graces and those giftings. Um, so that's certainly what I'm trying to do, even just a small example, right? Like when, when I think it was Thursday morning, when we learned of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, <clears throat> my, uh, my response to it was cause our team had reached out like, Hey, do you want to post something? I was like, absolutely. Let's give it 48 hours. And I just want to see what's happening. And Yeah. And I have no, obviously nothing against people posting straight away. That's not the point. My point is that I'm just trying no. to be very mindful of... Of like, your why. Yeah. Yeah. What's my why? And so when we do go to do it, it's like with thoughtful and reflective and that kind of thing. So that's just a small example. Um, but I think I practicing love that on the whole over the next mm-hmm. 10 years mm-hmm. <laughs> is going to be really, yeah. really important. I, I
1: mean, James is like clear, like slow to speak. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason... Mm-hmm we shouldn't be instant instantly talking about everything because we don't know what we're running into. There's so many, so many complexities and and we should be very prayerful and mindful of that. I think the other thing that I'm for me where I'm at, I'm just focusing on like a few really close key people in my life. Like mm, that's really yeah, where my wow. greatest influence and in leadership is. And I think that the Western church has really got addicted to focusing on the masses and i mm-hmm. think that's the one of the most um it's it's kind of the best way to become ineffective <laughs> mm-hmm. because it jesus was like the crowds are like such a small percentage of his ministry
2: mm-hmm.
1: the, the you know 95 percent maybe higher is just with his 12 guys and then the three guys mm-hmm. and if we really wanna follow his example and his rhythm, that's what's sustainable about leadership is my focus is really just on my key guys that I have in Berlin, Paris, and New York now, just making sure their marriages are healthy, loving on them, seeing what challenges they're facing, hopefully giving some words of wisdom because I've been through some things with starting in New York and now they're leading things in New York, Paris, and Berlin. And so you know, that's the season I'm in. Obviously that will look different for different guys. And if you're just starting out planting, that will mean just a few key guys that are on your team or running small groups in your church, and I think sometimes we give our strongest the least amount of attention because mm-hmm. we can kind of just naturally rely on them. But Jesus didn't do that; he he really spent a lot of time with those guys because he knew they were when he ascended. They're the guys, like they're the ones that are going to take this forward, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's where social media hasn't done us any favors because to your point we feel like we have to speak to every issue because to be a leader is to address the masses Mm -hmm. and jesus doesn't address you know a lot of social or political issues Mm -hmm. you know if you saw his feed it it wouldn't be what a lot of maybe our feeds would be Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to take that analogy further it's like it would be like just things that were to his 12 and he'd probably have most of his feed would be like a, a private feed of 12 people. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one, the post and the I think rethinking that. Yeah. 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 The, yeah.
1: Green one, exactly. the green one. Exactly. <laughs> <And that, laughs> wow. So I just, well, I so, just think that that's so much, so much better place to live, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting, right? Because one of the things that they say about crisis leadership is like, you got to over, 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 over communicate. And I think that's one of the things, because typically that over communication is aimed at the crowd. Um, yes. and when you, that can be like a version of staying outside your window. Mm. Cause you don't, if you don't go back from that into 90% of your time invested into your few, then you're, I don't know, you're going to probably end up being ineffective. Um,
1: I, I totally agree. I think less is more. And I, and I felt guilty at certain times cause you see these posts like leaders are present in a time of crisis. And it's like, and I'm like, yeah, but. Like if I'm just like, uh, you know, in front of people the whole time, mm-hmm. and like out front, I'm not going to have anything left, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm I'm definitely going to burn myself out. And I think, that I I understand the point. So the principle is you need to be visible and present mm-hmm. and to to and lead, which is true, yep. and communicate. But I think mm-hmm. to go to go to that place of over communicating means also that that people it's almost like you don't think the people trust you. Like, mm. so I think you've got to be careful. Like it's more about building that trust with your your close team and then them communicating like, hey, he, he's, he's present, he's with us and I'm present with you and like that's how the kingdom works, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's key moments where you need to address mm-hmm. more people. Mm-hmm. But also it's kind of weird and like somewhat arrogant to think that somehow – you know, if I'm broadcasting myself to, you know, a really large crowd on social media that somehow I have that permission. I I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's just some phenomenon. It is a really new phenomenon. Yeah. And yeah. And I think there's really going to be some backlash and, you know, where we're living, like we've created this new we partner with a company called Together. We've created this new app called Together. And really, the church, there's already over 2,000 people on this church app every day. Will's
0: going to be on our other podcast, by the way.
1: Oh, if awesome. So you'll, yours. yeah, I chatted with him last You'll week. hear about it then. Yeah. But the, the, the point I'm making is people are just so gravitated to it because it's a closed feed. And it's just, it's the church's feed. And mm-hmm. they just go, okay, I'll click on here. And they have messages with their dinner parties and their, are sweeping for dinner party. They're seeing that feed, and they know what's happening in the life of the church. And so, I think a lot of people are going to go to more versions of that in the mm-hmm. church life. Mm-hmm. Because we've used social media for so long to mm-hmm. notify our church about things, but I think it's going to be more closed loops mm-hmm. that we need to work with that still mm-hmm. can be very social, mm-hmm. but it's more of a peaceful, safe room versus yeah. like this chaotic world. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: outside of the church world, I mean, one of the biggest trends right now so it's is... kind of like Substack, right? Substack, private, yeah. private Discord servers, private yeah. Slack channels. That's like right. Everybody wants to mm-hmm. be a part of... Um, That's right. is not even the right word, just a, a closed ecosystem. Yeah. It's
2: a, it's an environment that you have more control over and envi- yeah. in the midst of a world where you don't know what to expect, you're going to wake up to, you can have these mm-hmm. environments that you know are going to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. It's quite traumatic to think that
1: I could be, I could open something and it can just feed me anything mm-hmm. like yeah, it's it really- it's like
2: a weird phenomenon, I mean, bro, you know, that I have no control. Anything. Mm-hmm. My, my yeah. wife yesterday was opened up her Instagram and like three or four posts in in a row were by people that she didn't follow, and they weren't even Correct. sponsored things. It was like you might like to follow. Yeah, that's the person.
1: new phenomenon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bro, then she
2: clicked on it and she was already following mm-hmm. them. Like but, it had followed them for her. Right, but that's the thing. Oh right, my about gosh. New, so like this
0: whole closed ecosystem, there's um there's accountability and there's rules. So if I if I join to gather app. I'm not. I'm not just going out on Instagram without any accountability. There's something expected of me if I'm going to be a part of this thing. Right. Correct. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So now it's it's actually more reflective. You got to
2: be thoughtful. You can't just community. be dropping your grenades.
1: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> yeah. That's there, not there's accountability works. here for your grenades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Been a great yeah, conversation. Yeah, no, but it's really it's really healthy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to talk to you guys. I I love this kind of talk and I think we need to talk more about it and also not just feel like we're on the back foot always like, and I think that's where the church needs to lead back to what you're saying. So, so healthy. So good to talk to you guys. Love it, man. Love you so much. Thanks for the time. Yeah. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you guys too. See you soon.